tired of trying to lose weight? All the BS methods you tried, just not cutting it? Well, it's about time you try the all-new weight loss supplement that grandmothers in the black community have patented. It's called Take Your Ass to Sleep. Take Your Ass to Sleep is the weight loss supplement your mother's mother would approve of. Our baby boomer scientists have come up with the perfect antidote to help you cut down your late night snacking, nibbling throughout the day, or even the morning if that's when your ass be eating too much. Try Take Your Ass to Sleep, and before you know it, hours will pass and itty bitty your ass. Grab some Take Your Ass to Sleep today from the makers of Prey On It. Hey, what it does, planet Earth. It's your boy, Joel Boyd, co-host, comedian, writer, actor. Welcome to High Power, the podcast where everybody tries to find the best versions of themselves. We got a great show, man. Jill Chrissy. My God. Brilliant. Beautiful. Talented. I try to literally work with her as often as I possibly can. She is uh, just a delight, man. She was really honest with us today. And uh, it's just an amazing conversation. She's one of those people where, you know, when I first moved here, I was just like, yo, I want to work with her. Yeah. That's all I'm going to do. Jill Chrissy, you may know her from Your Attention, Please, on Hulu. Specifically, she's in season three, episode two. She's also uh, one of the dynamic actors in the short film, High Power, of the same name as this podcast. So please check it out if you have not. I'll tell you guys about some dates we got coming up. She's also uh, one of the main cast members in our our web series that we did, award-winning, Sad Ass Black Folk. You can find that on YouTube. She uh, steals the show. Not gonna lie. She steals the freaking show. She steals every show (laughs) that she's in. You can also find her and support her by listening to her weekly podcast, She's Got Bars. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. She's also releasing a storytelling album that you can purchase on her website, Stories Out the Cut. You can follow her on IG at Jill Chrissy and keep up with her at jillchrissycomedy.com. Calm, as we can find everything. We're coming to Wilmington, North Carolina, November 18th and November 20th. Uh, we're going to do a couple screenings, so please check that out. You can find that at highpowerfilm.com. I'm also going to be doing some stand-up in L.A., so if you guys are around this week looking for some jokes, October 27th, I'm going to be at the Pack at Iva Pears Game Night. You can find those links and tickets at therealjoelboy.com. And don't forget, we are officially... Starting a dialogue with you guys, our fans, our listeners. How you doing? How you feeling? We want to talk to y'all too. So hit us up. We we want to tackle any topics, any questions. You know what I mean? Even if it's just what's happening in the world, hit us up at highpowerpod at gmail and, uh, and we will do our best to respond to you. Just so you know, we had some slight sound issues on my end on this interview. Uh, Ralph and Jill sound great. But uh, yeah, if you can bear with us, just uh, the audio quality for my voice is a little off. Um, so bear with us on that. But it's a great interview. So uh, stick with it. It's uh, it's beautiful. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Welcome to High Power.
that 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 uh, premiere was good. Premiere was pretty pretty good. It was good, man. For for y'all who are uh, who didn't make it and are just listening to the show, uh, obviously the show sometimes comes out um, out of order. But the L.A. premiere, yeah, man, it was last night in the correspondence of our lives. And, uh, yeah, it was really, it was really beautiful, man. Um, shout out to everybody who helped make it happen. Uh, it was just good energy, man. It, it was. was. Just good, like, and you can't, I don't know, you can't plan that. I would describe it. I mean, you you were calm. For someone that had to host a show and was kind of running it, mm. you had a sense of, like, calm. You were looking good. You were in control, like. Everything, you felt good. Yeah, Yeah. your energy was really good. So I feel like when people, and then you attract people with good energy too. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's most of your crowd. So that's why the people were out there were like, I don't know, they were just like pure good energy. Like everyone's rooting for this success. Like they're rooting for the movie. They're rooting for the comics. Rooting for the moderator, you know, like (laughs) rooting for the guy with the lights. Like, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, so it was good, man. It was good to see beautiful people. Shout out to, um. Tradell Hawk, uh, if if you guys um, have been paying attention, he uh, we have an episode with him on, but he moderated the uh, Q and A, uh, and nah, he just set the perfect vibe, man. It was it was just like, I think, mm, <laughs> I yeah, think he, he literally started the Q and A going, "Hey, who in here has done shrooms?" And, yeah. <laughs> and like three fourths of the audience raised their. <laughs> I mean, that's when it was just like, all right, like, let's get started then. Let's yeah. have this, like, conversation. How did you come up with these ideas on shrooms? <laughs> it, was, it was almost going to be like a TED Talk for black people who start doing shrooms. You can create movies, too. I know. But I had to follow it up with one of the answers to the questions from the crowd being like, hey, guys, I'm not saying do this to get uh, an epiphany. I'm saying I did this. And it started a journey for me. I'm not telling you to do this uh, and you're going to, like, have some discovery overnight. Like, that's not, I wouldn't say that's the reason to do it. Um, yeah. You, will have you could. You could. Yeah, you could. I'm you, just saying. You could. You, you can. It's not a guarantee. You could freak out mm-hmm. if you're not with the right people. Do it with the right people. You got to do it with people you love. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Do it with people you love. Have some good music. But shrooms, like, you take enough of those, you are talking to God. And God is talking back. Like, you know, like, but I haven't done that. I haven't taken a lot of shrooms in a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. I've taken, like, wait, didn't we do a shroom? I don't know if you want to talk about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we did. Uh, the Vegas trip. Yeah, and I, I, I took too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good little trip. That was, yeah. Oh, was wow. Yeah, that was a do wild you remember? trip. Yes, this is a famous. This, we should tell this story. Let's tell this story right now. Let's tell this story. I, we got so high that we went. I will never forget this moment. Us going, walking to the corner store. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you and uh, I won't even name my third buddy who was with us. Mm-hmm. But, um, homie, love this motherfucker. Uh, uh, we'll call him AJ. Um, <laughs> AJ, <laughs> not AJ Lubeck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. Um, but uh, another another buddy of mine. But he was with us, and um, we were so high. We went to this uh, corner store, and it was my idea because somebody had told me this. Again, let me disclaimer: if you're listening, don't just do this 
just do it educationally. Do your research. Do only a small amount if you're going to do it uh, with safety of friends. And even ask your, your dealer for some advice or mm-hmm. your body type or whatever that, you know, your metabolism is different. But anyway, we took enough to be having a good time. Uh, but we ended up at this corner store and I was like, yo, orange juice. We got to get some orange juice because technically, and this is not a good idea, folks. Um, it, it's the, what is it? The acidity. Yeah. In citrus, if you drink grapefruit juice or orange juice or some something like that, it kicks it up. It, it can be a little hit. Yeah, if you already have the psilocybin in your system, it, yeah. it can be kind of a jolt. So we were on a quest to get. It was a quest. <laughs> Bro, it was. It was, qu- it was wild. It, it wasn't was, supposed to be a quest like that. Was <laughs> it? It was New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was. The corner was oh. kind of sketch. Everything was like we were. Dog. It was a. But and it th- felt like we were on a pilgrimage, bro. Yeah, that's what it felt like. And it was like two blocks away. It was it two was blocks. <laughs> and then you left. You're just like, I got to go see my brother. Yeah, like I Like that night. I was just <laughs> like, that's when I was just like, oh, these rooms hit. These rooms <laughs> hit. Like, because ha- there's a point in your life and there's thoughts. And if you can, like, control where you can go, you're going to do it. Like, you yeah. know, like, you're just like, I got to do this right now. Yeah. And you can do it. Like, you're just like, I got to go. Yeah, I was just like, I respect it. I yeah. understand. I didn't uh, know how far he was, though. Yo. <laughs> I was like, I got to go see my brother right now. Yeah. I, didn't know I, I didn't know I'd be in the car for 50 minutes. Was it 50 minutes? Yeah, it was, he was on the other side of town. From our Airbnb, he was on the Holy other side Holy God. He was on the other time. side of town. So it was like, the, it was kicking in. And I was just like, I need to talk to my brother. <laughs> um, but no, the funniest part of that night was... Was us in the corner store and <laughs> nobody having any money? Do you remember? Oh this? my god! Do you remember yes, this? bro. Nobody had and any money. And we're looking at the counter. The, yeah. We're just looking at the counter person. <laughs> like the counter person was like, we handed him the orange juice, and he was like, and it was a big bottle, so he was like, all right, five twenty nine or whatever he said. And all three of us, I think, no, no, we made a plan. We made a plan like five seconds before we went to the front because we were all super uh, jacked up. We were like, we were like, I think it was me or or AJ was like, uh, who's paying for this? And yeah. I was like, oh yeah. Oh, nobody brought the. I'll do it. I got it. I got it. Because we were all trying to act normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we get to the front, and I legit, I think I pulled out my wallet. Yes. And I didn't. I don't have like touch to pay or anything. But I kept hitting my wallet against. Yes, you were doing that. Yes, you were doing that. Yes, you were doing that. Yeah. And then someone else is like, I got it. Like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Some complete random woman paid for our orange juice. Oh, man. I didn't remember how to use a credit card. Oh, man. I just kept hitting my wallet against the thing like this. (laughs) Yeah, I, I do remember that. That was funny. That was like, oh shit, we are tripping. Like you know, like you're just like, yeah, we're, everything's fine. Everything's like, oh shit, we're tripping and yeah. we're in public. We should not be out here. Like no, this. especially with what was happening. Like it was New Year's Eve in Vegas. We should have been inside. Yeah, <laughs> because outside would have been crazy. But I like that trip was cool. Like we got to hang around like the hotels and Balenciaga. That was yeah. nice. Oh yeah, yeah, trip. yeah. The daytime. It was cool. And then we did the black thing. Like, yeah, we're going to do another trip soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and No, I think pandemic happened really, though. Yeah, it did. Well, you know, hey, guys, that's just a little journey from us. And, uh, you know, 
ding, take whatever you're going to take responsibly. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Please do it with the safety of really smart friends. Oh, and have a spirit guide if you can. That's a really smart thing to do. I think most of the time that I've, 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 I've had a trip, I uh, usually will try to have a designated sober friend that can always be the, the hey, this the wrangler, you know, making sure everybody's safe, everybody's got enough water. Definitely, a spirit guide is a good thing to have if you're gonna uh, if you're new to this this world. Yeah, um, would highly recommend. But uh, we got a great guest for you guys, man. Uh, we talked to her about some really amazing things, Jill Chrissy. Jill Chrissy. Jill fucking Chrissy. I mean, the conversation was good, and I didn't want it to end. I it, didn't, yeah. I didn't want this one to end. I was just like, damn, there's so much we could talk about. But and she, I mean, she's so funny, great, amazing comedian. She's obviously a, a really close friend of ours. She's in the film. She's in High Power. I think it was a pleasure to talk to her on the level of, like, just seeing her sincerity and the way she thinks when she's not trying to be funny. Like, just hearing, I, w I really appreciated her not, you know, how, you know, even sometimes I'll watch, like, a Cat Williams interview where he'll be, like, not turning on Cat Williams necessarily as a personality, mm -hmm. but just talking. So I, I really enjoyed kind of hearing her talk and not the performative side of her. It was really cool. Yeah. And she opened up a lot, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple times where we may have to bleep some stuff out because she really was pretty open. So. Yeah. Or we might cut it out, but. Y'all, we'll try to leave the best of the best for you guys. She does a, a podcast where she celebrates female rappers called She's Got Bars. And she's also selling her own storytelling album, uh, which you can purchase on her website. It's called Stories Out the Cut. Uh, you can find it at jillchrissycomedy.com. You can follow her on Instagram at jillchrissy. So right after this commercial break, we'll talk with the fabulous, hilarious, genius, Jill Chrissy. When I wake up in the morning, what's the first thing I do? I grab a cup of coffee. But you know, it's like I, I want to immediately contribute to the world in a positive way. So how do I do that? You know what I do? I buy my coffee from California Coffee Company. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. They're a black-owned, culturally connected coffee and lifestyle brand. Their products taste amazing. It's freshly ground, roasted coffee. They have all types of flavors that are just exactly what you need in the morning. They are young. They are doing it. They're reclaiming the culture through coffee, through teaching everybody that follows their movement about culture class and confidence and 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 truly they are letting people know where the true origins of coffee came from did you know that the coffee bean originates from ethiopia did you know that enslaved black folks established the coffee industry in south and central america but when people think of coffee they don't really think about black folks you know in, in its origins but 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 they are here to change that you guys are out there and you're drinking your coffee every day. I'm telling you where you got to go. You got to go to CaliCoffee.co. That's CaliCoffee.co, the California Coffee Company. And you're going to use our discount code POWERPOD 
for 15% off your coffee purchase. They ship nationwide and you can get your coffee and maybe some of their apparel at calicoffee.co. You can follow them on Instagram at the Cali Coffee and they are going to hook you up and let you know that tasting is believing. They're telling a new story about people of color through the world's most beloved beverage. That's California Coffee Company. Go ahead, type in your code at calicoffee.co. California Coffee Company. I'm stepping back a little bit from stand up and I'm getting more into like more into script writing and more into story writing and stuff like that. And so I just find time in between writing to to fuck off and do stupid shit. <laughs> in between, you know what I mean? I get to, you know, you know how you do that sometimes. I'm learning from y'all, but at least y'all get it done. Give yourselves credit, pat in the back, like you get the vision done. If I could touch my back, I'd pat it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> the Jill Chrissy patented back scratcher coming soon. <laughs> you have a very eclectic collection um, of work, like a really amazing, interesting body of work. But I just, I really admire like all these things that you do because you got the podcast where you're celebrating like you know female rappers and like yeah. I, I think when I first learned who you are, I was you you were doing um, comedy ho. Mm-hmm. your one woman show and I remember going I don't remember how I met you exactly I think it was through the open mic scene in LA but I remember um going to see Comedy Ho and, and just seeing you were touring it and and it was selling out at all these festivals and and, and you had you had a step and repeat you had t-shirts <laughs> I mean I still wear your Comedy Ho shirt oh nice all the time and people <laughs> literally are like that's so cool where'd you get that like, <laughs> like you had to be there you had yeah to be there. uh but how did that show come about how did yeah. you decide like i'm gonna do a one one woman show i just decided because i was doing before i started doing stand-up i was doing like funny poetry and you know like you could do poetry all day but you you never think it's gonna pay your bills like i just didn't have the <laughs> frame of mind to think that you know I was like I'm not Maya Angelo I'm never gonna be that bitch so not calling Maya bitch I'm you know what I'm saying I'm not saying in that way um just so this doesn't come up in the future like she called Maya Angelo bitch cancel ain't ain't got no kind of class um so um yeah so anyway I was writing funny poetry and I just thought one day like am I just trying to hide from doing stand-up like it was a cop-out because if you do poetry, if you do comedic poetry in poetry clubs, you're always going to get a laugh because they're not expecting that. Um, yeah. And as long as you know timing, like I, for some reason, had a good, I have a good understanding of timing because I come from a musical family and timing works in every single way. So when you're a musician, you have to pay attention to timing. When you're a poet, you have to pay attention to timing. All of that goes kind of hand in hand. So you'll meet a lot of musicians who are actually really funny people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I know you've met some musicians who are hilarious and you're like, man, if yeah. you were a comic, you'd be really funny. Like you would know, you know, we can kind of do each other's jobs if we really put our mind to it. And a lot of us do do each other's jobs. So anyway. Yeah. Especially, um, yeah. Ra- Ralph is one, one in the same. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of those situations. I was doing funny poetry and I thought, let me do stand up. So then I started doing stand up, but then I stopped doing stand up for like a year. Um, and then I started writing these like short stories with a poetic tone, kind of like a kind of like a Shel Silverstein, if you guys know who that is. Um, y'all probably no. too young. Y'all don't know who Shell is? No, I don't. No. Twistable, turnable man? Come on. Um, <laughs> some of your listeners might know. If you don't, go ahead and Google him. He's a comedian, um, and he, he's kind of a, he's a comedian, musician, poet. And um, I am that. That's literally me. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, you know what? Why not be, you know, that version of me? You know what I'm saying? So that's where Comedy O came from. I said, well, let me do stand-up, let me do poetry, and let me do some like comedic storytelling and put it all, just mash it up all into one. And the Comedy Ho part is I'm doing those three things at once. And that's where the Ho part comes in. And nobody got it, but it was like, it'd be a double thing. You know, people always call them Black women hoes. You know, we're over-sexualized. So I said, this is like a double meaning. I'm just going to call it Comedy Ho. Um, and it got a, obviously a lot of attention, but the show is completely different from the name, which I like. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I think I I didn't even know that. Like I I I think I thought of it, and maybe I don't know if anybody else that was already a fan of you, I had thought of it as like uh, just you being a super fan of comedy. Like I because I, mm-hmm. when I wear it, I think people are thinking of it as like. Oh, like this motherfucker is—he'll hoe out for, for the the art of comedy. You know? I think it means whatever you want it to mean, which is also something I I wanted to do. Is like you know, whoever whoever sees it, they see it how they see it, you know. And I don't have to give them a definition or make them believe. So I was like, I'm gonna call it comedy hoe with no explanation. Just that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> And boom, and that's what it is. And so yeah. I, what you said was right as well. Everyone has a different, you know, a different mindset of what they... Where think. did you start the poetry comedy? And what city did you start comedy performance? Oh, I'm from Denver. So I started it in Denver. It, people don't know this about Denver, Colorado, but there's a lot of poets in Denver. And there's a lot of amazing um, spoken word artists in Denver. And so, like, I started there and you couldn't come half stepping you had to be good you had to be a writer writer you had to sit down you had to think out concepts you had to be like we you've always heard about new york poets and you know the poets that are in the big cities because they're great you know what i'm saying even atlanta poets even chicago poets nobody yeah. talks about denver poets but everyone in the poetry scene knows that denver brings it and mm-hmm. so you know I, I had a great like training ground a great training mm-hmm. ground. Was anybody exposing you to that world or did you just kind of like stumble upon it or how'd you get in? Like, yeah. I just stumbled on it, you know, cause um, how did I stumble on it? You know what, I'm gonna tell this story and I'll probably never tell it again. <laughs> I, I started, I started writing, I started writing raps first. And the reason why I started writing raps be- was because of Lil Bow Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Lil Bow Wow was writing his own raps and he wasn't, <laughs> but I thought he was. So I was like, I got to start writing right now. <laughs> 11. So <laughs> I was like, he can write. I can write. So I started, literally started putting pen to paper because of Lil Bow Wow. That's why I became a writer. 
Wow. Um, yeah, so I started writing little raps. Shout out to Shad Moss. <laughs> Shout out. He's listening wherever he's at. Thank you, Shad. He is. Thank you, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I started writing because of him. And then, I, you know, my mom would let me watch Deaf Poetry Dance. Mm-hmm. And that's when it started getting real serious for me because I was like, oh, my God. So those people like the poet poetry. Poetry was one of my favorites because he would write about Krispy Kreme donuts and he was funny when he mm-hmm. did his poetry. And so I was like, that's I like that because, you know, my personality is always within my poetry. I was never a serious poet. I was seriously <laughs> a poet, but I was never a serious poet, you know? Yeah. Were yeah. your raps serious? My raps were serious. <laughs> they were um, embarrassingly serious. Uh, <laughs> they were though. They were like. Isn't that I, weird though? I feel like um, I feel like a lot of comedians or people that end up doing you know big funny things have had a very serious somehow inner beginning origin story. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I I uh, I had I had a lot of anger problems as a kid. You did? I had a lot of temper tantrums. Yeah, I was really bad from like like when I was a baby, probably up until like I was about ten or something. Damn. Oh wow. And yeah, and I and I figured out I don't know where if it was my mom or my parents just figured out how to how I would channel it through drawing and mm-hmm. just being creative. But like I think once I realized I was funny, that just alleviated so much pressure yeah. for myself and socially and all these things. But I, I feel like a lot of, um, you know, eh, not that every comedian has a dark center or, or mm-hmm. origin story per se, but I, I forgot where I heard this recently. Uh, somebody had a quote about stand-up and saying that, like, sometimes you, you, you people start doing stand-up because they're trying to get, trying to get ahead of why people laugh at them. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean like trying to forget how they phrased it but it's basically like okay you guys aren't gonna laugh at me I'm gonna tell you what's funny about me instead of yeah. you know the other way around was there any part of that in the raps um yeah yeah I will say like I will say I had I do have a dark center if you want to put it that way <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have a dark center you was you will see like if you listen to all of my work in succession, like one after the other, you would notice that it starts out with a very bright, like almost shining day, a very, and then uh, the ending might just be devastating. So it's like this pattern I have that I realize within my writing, I write really bright, sunny things. And then by the middle of it, you see it kind of going downhill to realville. And then it teeters off into complete and utter destruction. Um, I'm not sure why I write that way, but that's how I write, um, you know, and that's how my brain works. That's my artistry. And I enjoy that. Um, but I realized, yeah, that's some dark center shit right there. That's, um, that's exactly what that is. And it even, even with my stand up comedy, my first joke, usually when I go on stage is, Hey, how y'all doing? So many people come up to me like, Oh my God, Jill, you're so friendly. And Oh my God, you're so positive. And I'm always just like, I'm drunk. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> it's very short, but it's the idea of every single thing I write. The opposite, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that definitely I have I have that. Every comedian is dark. I mean that 
You know, every comedian I know is pretty fucking dark. There's some darkness there. Yeah. There is a, I mean, I think that's where, I mean, we have the gift. There's darkness in everyone, I feel mm-hmm. like, but we have the gift to like recognize the darkness and kind of churn it into like, hey, here guys, it's not that dark, you know, it's not that deep. Like I, I kind of have a grass on, you know what I mean? It's not like as comedians, we have like a grass on the darkness to make it like, I mean, palatable for the masses yeah. to be like, all right, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So we're gifted in that sense, but I feel like everyone got a little darkness and then some people like drink so much. Some people do this, some people go over therapy, like go to therapy. And so we able to like make jokes out of it. So I think that's pretty cool. But I also did drink too much. So it doesn't take away. (laughs) (laughs) The comedy does not take away what you will do in your real life, folks. Oh, that's true. (laughs) That's a perfect joke, Jill, because it's like, you are, you you do carry a very bright uh, piece of you, I think, to to the, you know, the naked eye, to people who are just kind of meeting you and feel your energy. But I think all of that, you know, all those parts of us, you you do really have that power to like you know if you left off the I'm drunk, uh, mm-hmm. or if, or if you just said the the punchline I'm drunk, and left off the setup, it's like you would just be exposing the darkness. <laughs> yeah, 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 people are like wow, why did you come here today? <laughs> <laughs> hey y'all, I'm drunk. <laughs> it might still be funny because of that the way I just yeah said. yeah. <laughs> Just that tone. It's like, hey, y'all, I'm drunk. You still get that laugh. Like, hey, guys, I really need help. <laughs> no, seriously. Second DUI this month. I mean, <laughs> Do I want to kill myself or not? <laughs> and people keep laughing. And it's just like, oh, my God. And there's someone in the back like, wow, they really need help. That's a cry for help. Yeah, someone's going to yeah. notice. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, like, you know, like, we're still so young. We're still so young. So trying to find yourself on stage is is the same process as trying to find yourself in life, in literal real life. And nothing beats, like, experience, right? Trying to find yourself. That's why some of the the older... We were just talking about... Me and Ralph were just talking about this yesterday behind backstage. We was talking about how, like, you know, the older the comedian, once you get into like earthquakes age and like 40 plus, you know what I'm saying? You kind of yeah. are, you're on a roller coaster at that point because you know yourself better. If you've been doing stand up since you were in your freaking 20s, by the time you're fucking 40 plus, you know yourself in a way that's so strong and powerful that it's like, it's just unstoppable. You know, the way that you know yourself is just, it's, it's the most amazing thing, in my opinion, than yeah. anything else when it comes to like stand-up comedy specifically. I just don't right. think you're gonna know yourself for a very long time. Not in a mad way, not in a bad way, in a logical way. Like we just it's gonna take time. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's how I like to think of everything that I do because and then I can't wait to look back at some of the projects I've done and really listen to it and be like, I was so dope. What was I? <laughs> what the fuck was wrong with me like why did I think I wasn't ready why did I think this and that I was so dope so like 
now that I know that, now that I have experience with looking back and feeling like stuff was dope that I thought wasn't, now I'm willing to be like, this is dope, even if deep down, I don't know. I'm just going to mm. say it is because it most likely is if I did it. And then mm. <laughs> then I won't have to look back and be like, wow, I thought that sucked. And I didn't put enough attention towards it and take it more places and do more things with it because I thought I didn't know myself or I thought it's like. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, it. I think like when people do projects, you should like I mean, for, for me, I'm just like. It's not to critique later, it's to be like, yo, to show my future kids, like, yo, you could do this too. If I could do it on mm -hmm. the basic level, I like, you could like take it to another level. So it's like, you live in little footmarks, I feel like for like the future, future use, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's how I see it. I think I did realize that too, maybe like a few years back. I forgot where I heard that, but it's like the comedy, being doing stand-up especially, it's one of the only careers where you literally get better with time with age yeah. the older you get the better i mean bill burr is like becoming a fucking beast i mean yeah. like i you know and everybody you know george carlin dropped a fucking special i think the year he died and it was amazing well not say everyone because there's some people like they're getting older but they're doing the same stuff the same material you know, you're just like yeesh like i saw a comedian <laughs> <laughs> i seen him growing up on like deaf comedy jam and the closer kills. I'm not gonna say the closer because you know he's still out here, like. But the closer killed on Def Comedy Jam. This is like years before I'm even in the comedy. Like I'm just watching his clothes. I was like, that was hilarious. And then <laughs> I get the privilege to see him on like at the Laugh Factory. Like years later, I'm like decades later, and he does the same closer, and it hits. And I mean, it, they're laughing, and I'm sitting there like, ah. Oh. I mean, it was like you know what I mean. I was like, yo, he's still doing that closer. Like, and it's like... See, Ralph, oh, that's the thing I'm talking about. I I don't ever want to be that comic that 20 years from now, y'all still hearing the same closer. I'm not hating on those comics. I, you know, I'm not hating on that at all. Like, you got a shit, you got some shit that work. You work that shit till the, till the wheels fall off. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm like, man... I don't want to do that. And I've seen that. And I've really, really seen that with some of the and never mind. I'm not gonna say Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say, I mean, you say that though. That's how you know you live in LA. You're like, yeah, I get it. I ain't gonna say who. I'm not even gonna say like what community. I'm not gonna say shit. Yeah. But I am gonna say I've seen it. You don't even have to say community. Because <laughs> you are Oh, no, but it's yeah. like when I see that shit, I'm like, oh, man, that's why I always welcome other art forms into whatever it is I'm doing. So if I'm going to do storytelling, I'm doing the fuck out of storytelling. I'm writing scripts. I'm doing I'm using all of my talent because I don't want to get stuck anywhere. You know what I mean? I'm not mm -hmm. like a fan of being stuck anywhere. I think stories are stories and I can tell them in any way I, in, in any way I desire and that's what I want to do with my career on a consistent basis is always just have different avenues to tell different types of stories within. That's my goal. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I got to talk about this, man. Um, did you, you, were you, you were a pastor's kid too or no? Yeah, I am. Uh, I am. You are too. I'm a PK. Uh, PK. Who else is? The house. That's me. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I remember. That's why. That's why we probably connect. It's like this deep seated, like you know, church kid. Yeah. I, I. What was your household like as a kid? Like just what was it kind of like in you know in that house or or in your environment at church? Yeah. Like what was that like? Yeah, it was very churchy. Um, <laughs> I grew up like churchy. Um, my mom, they're they're Church of God in Christ. But I kind of grew up more non-denominational for the most part. Church people know what I'm talking about out there. <laughs> There's some people that's yeah. like non-denominational. What is she speaking? I know what you're non-denominational. <laughs> non-denominational. Yeah. So my mom, she she played organ and she sang for um, Al Green when he was in his gospel back oh. so yeah she played the organ for him she uh she traveled with him for a while and then um i think vegas was her last stop with him and then she moved to denver to basically start a family she didn't want to you know bring the family on the road i guess yeah whatever i would have loved to be on the road personally <laughs> but uh <laughs> but she yeah so she stopped kind of doing that but she never stopped doing music obviously so we grew up kind of like a gospel um jackson five like uh five kids oh. yeah what i need he to see raised photos i need to oh, see i can, I can I show need... you photos i can show you photos oh a lot my of gosh we would do wait, year wait, round wait. like you got this many siblings or was who was all who was the yeah. five Five, yeah, five siblings, me, uh, me, my sister, and my three brothers. Um, and we, she made us out of a little group. And uh, she had some other singers with us, too. We would be like a whole group, you know what I'm saying? And she what had us your, traveling. Um, did you, were you uh, alto? Were you soprano? Alto. You like, alto okay. I was an alto because I couldn't sing like nobody else. Everybody else could sing, and I was play singing <laughs> like I do now. <laughs> I, you know, I sang a little bit here and there, but yeah, they were singer singers. Thank you. I know you. I know you. You're like, I can't sing <laughs> yeah. things because you, you probably hang on like the powerhouses. Yeah, that that's why. That, but that's... Like the, yeah. But to the <laughs> average know. person, you get, you can sing. Okay. Yeah. To okay. the average person, okay. But when I'm around singers, they know. <laughs> I can't fool real singers. But, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we would, uh, you know, we would be doing a lot of gospel just around the city. Um, we would start churches and sing, be the whole choir for the church. It's me and my brothers and sisters. We was the whole choir and my dad would preach, you know, and now that I'm an adult, it's, you know, no shade to my parents. I love my parents, but I realized we were doing that to pay the bills, <laughs> to mm. kind of level out the bills. You know, they still love Christ. Don't get me wrong. I still got to hear an earful of, did you go to church every time I call my parents? They know I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, your brothers are heathens. That's all I got to hear. Ain't nobody want to go to church no more. <laughs> so but yeah, we, <laughs> we grew up doing that. And then uh, we would go from church to church. My parents would be like the, they would pastor, like they would go from, one church and be like second pastor and my mom would be like the uh director of music at that church and then we would go mm -hmm. to another church and they would do the same thing so you know they kind of just sold their their talents that way and mm -hmm. we would get that extra money and you know pay for certain stuff food stuff like you know yeah. stuff black people got to pay for that's normal that other people just have <laughs> 
through yeah. like a job where we had to sing to Christ for it. And uh, <laughs> so you were sort of on the road. Yeah, I mean, around Denver, we would go yeah. around everywhere in Colorado, which is where we would go to places where we wasn't sure if they were kind of racist in those places, because mm-hmm. there'd be no other black people around. And we would have to go and, you know, sing up in the mountain areas where it's like granola white people uh, <laughs> wearing dashikis and shit like that weird white people that they would be paying us they pay us a lot yeah. of money you know so my mom never cared my mom never cared when anyone looked white as long yeah. as the money was green <laughs> so we um yeah we got to we got to do a lot of stuff so I I, I know what it feels like to be in like a singing group for mm-hmm. most of my life most of that's, my life that's I've been pretty on cool though that's really cool like, it's cool it's pretty cool yeah are you it's still close nice. with the siblings now? I'm not super close with my siblings. It's like we were close because we were singing together and stuff like that. And I think this is why therapy is very important because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be close if your whole life kind of consisted of performing together and that was how you were the closest. Then, you know, once you're not singing together no more, you don't know what it feels like to just have a close relationship with your brothers and sisters. And yeah. uh, right now it's like not great. Um, so, you know, you can't just, you can't depend on Jesus for everything, black people, you need to go to therapy and you need to talk about certain things within your families that happen that, you know, Mm -hmm. that it can't be escaped. It's still there. It's only going to get worse. Right. Right. (laughs) You know why I'm a comedian. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, that kind of leads into the other question that I had. Did that have any effect like on your young mind as like, were you kind of headed towards being a comedian or, or what was, was there anything happening in your childhood where you were just like, you, it was priming you for this? I think like, I think it made me want attention. And it also made me feel like the only way that I could be loved is by being good on stage. Mm. And that's the way people were going to love me is if mm. I'm good on stage. And I still suffer with that. And I'm a whole three year old. And I said my real age. Uh, <laughs> we can bleep it out if you want you know. bleep that shit out oh, yeah. uh, but I'm a whole adult and <laughs> and it's crazy because it's like I shouldn't still be struggling with that but everything you go through as a kid it really stays with you so yeah just that 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 thought of you can't be loved unless you're good on stage that's detrimental it's so bad mm-hmm. for you, you know? so see and I think a lot of people in LA might have suffered from that same thing where like every every aspect of their life, maybe they were a freaking nerd and people didn't like them. They got made fun of. But when they got on that stage, that's when they received love. That's when people thought they were great. That's when, you know, no one could beat them. They're, they're all like very um, competitive because it's like, oh, well, everybody's going to love me. Every, the world going to love me. You know what I'm saying? And you have to mm. sit down and wonder why you need the world to love you. Mm. Why do you need that? You know? And then when you answer that question, you got to cry. <laughs> you got to cry, and you got to get back hustling and try yeah, to get the yeah. world to love you. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Like, you bring that up. Like, you know, sometimes I think, like, when I'm starting off, like, oh, this is where I'm going to get my respects right here on the stage. Like, mm-hmm. this world beats you up so much. Like, this is where I'm going to get it. But it's like when you depend on that, like when you don't like learn to like understand, like that love goes away as soon as everyone gets in their car and goes home. Like, yeah. you know, like it's like you got to like understand how to grow from that. 
like take that love and understand why you love what they're giving you and just like give that to yourself. And that's kind of yeah. hard. It's hard because it's like that high, just like even from the show from last night, just like, you're just like, wow, that was a good show. Like the energy is buzzing. Like you can't capture that in a bottle, but you kind of yeah. still want it for the rest of the week. Like, you know what I mean? So how do you yeah. do that? Oh, let me get back on stage. Let me, yeah. let me get back. Like, you know, let me. <laughs> I um, actually, after the pandemic, the, you know, it kind of happened a little bit before, but definitely after um, the pandemic, during the pandemic, I had this realization and I quit stand up during the pandemic. And I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. But I realized that the reason why I quit is to, you know, tell myself that I'm able to do that. Like, I can quit. I can quit if I want to. I never want to feel like I have to do anything. Mm. And so that's why I quit. So obviously I started doing it again. Mm. Um, <laughs> so you took a break. So you took a break. I, I really just took a mental break. I took a break from it, but it was easy yeah. to do because nothing was open to like do stand up anyway. Right. And so it was easy for me to do. But then now it's like when I, when I have shows, um, you know, I'm trying to get over this little hill because now it's like, I don't stick around to the end of the show because I don't want audience members coming up to me telling me how great I did. I'm going to get out of this funk. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not out of it quite yet, but uh, it's hard for me to receive that you did really great um, now because I'm visibly like, I, I want to feel like I did great on my own. Mm -hmm. And I don't mm -hmm. think that I allow myself to feel like I did great. Like even last night, I'm like, you know, I heard people tell those words to me, but I didn't feel it. Mm -hmm. So as long as I can't feel it, there's still something I need to work on. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Hell, yeah, because I didn't even see that shit on here. You know what you mean? That's what you're supposed to talk about. This is the hype. <laughs> this is the podcast this, to talk about it. This is what we do. What yeah. we do. I was I telling that, that to Joel. Yeah, I was telling that to Joel. I don't know if I was telling that. Like, just like, and sometimes you just gotta leave, like, cause that's like, it's too, it's gonna be too much. Like, you gonna think like, ah, uh, like, you know, yeah, I understand. Was there a moment or something that kind of triggered you making that, that choice recently? Like, knowing that you had to do this for yourself? Yeah, just knowing that like, I no longer want to feel validated by what others think of me basically. Mm. And I just want to validate myself. Um, and I want to trust myself and, you know, and stuff like that. And I'm actively working on doing that for myself. So like anything that anyone says to me, I appreciate it. And I take it and I love when people say it to me. So don't think that I don't love that people say you're doing a great job. It has zero to do with them and like everything to do with me. You know what I mean? So just hearing it is like, that's fine, but it never really, it doesn't puncture. So the reason why I'm doing that though is because uh, like, what's her name? Um, Janelle oh, Monae. Janelle, Janelle Monae, yeah. Janelle Monae, she has that song where she's talking about you gotta be balanced. I think mm -hmm. it's tightrope actually. Yeah. You have to be balanced. You can't let, you can't go too high. You can't go too low. Just stay right here in the middle. <laughs> and be present mm -hmm. and be balanced you know what I mean mm -hmm. so yes that's the goal with everything I do and so um I was letting myself get really high I was like like looking for people to tell me how great I did and like it was um toxic for myself so mm. now I'm like now it's almost like when someone's offering you something to drink and you're trying not to drink so you rather just mm -hmm. leave before they start mm -hmm. offering you drinks <laughs> 
She's like, hey, yeah. I'm strong, but I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You don't even want a ginger ale. So yeah, don't yeah. <laughs> I don't want no water. Just get out of my face. I got to go. But, like, do you feel like you're, there's ever going to be a point, or, or maybe it's happening now, where you don't get to see your effect on people, though? You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought about that. Um, I definitely thought about that. And I think right now it's like this, the whole self-care aspect of my life is what's up right now. Like that's, that's the bag I'm in for the most part. So I might lose like a year or two of just (laughs) seeing my effect on people, just trying to like heal myself from Mm. all this like trauma that I've been through and like, you know, here and there doing the group therapies and stuff like that. And having my mentor writing back and forth with my mentor from time to time like that type of stuff kind of helps me um take care of myself I I realize mm-hmm. if I can't take care of myself I can't be out here and there's so many other things I do that's detrimental and that I have to fix after I've messed myself up and I gotta fix <laughs> and so I'm trying not to continue down this these paths of like self-destruction so that I can live the life that I deserve to live. You know, all the stuff that you do that's terrible towards yourself is like, that is exactly what it is. It's terrible towards yourself. So mm-hmm. if you got to take a couple years to be selfish and to think a certain way, that's not the norm, then you're going to have to take those few years to, t- to do that. If you have to take a few yeah. years off, if you have to run the fuck away, whatever you got to do, um, go ahead and do it. Because by the time you get back, ain't nobody going to notice. Yeah. Don't think, mm. oh, I ain't seen you in a while, but you'll still you'll be up more than you'll be up more than you've ever been. You you'll actually mm-hmm. be healthier. So it's worth it, you know. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that because no shade again. I know we in Hollywood and we can't name names, but I remember one of my earliest people that was one of my champions in um comedy that was giving me opportunities in Chicago. But I was I was going through another kind of identity crisis when I was like 20 and just finished school, I think. And I was really getting into stand up in Chicago and comedy and improv and all that stuff. And I was going to take a break back then. Mm-hmm. And my this this mentor of mine, she kind of was like, don't do that. Like you got you're doing great. You need to keep going and and do more shows. You need to do you should be over here at this theater and good and over here and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you know, she was black. I get it. Like, black people always got to work twice as hard to get half as much credit and all that. But we also have the most healing to do. Mm-hmm. And, man, I don't know. I, I just, I appreciate you, your honesty because at the end of the day, we're all human beings, man. And it doesn't make sense. Like, this business can be very difficult and can be taxing on your soul and your... Mm-hmm your body, your mind, your finances. But I remember, you know, sometime in the pandemic or even just like times in college when I was bored, I would go down these like kind of inspirational video, (laughs) like YouTube dives and just watch interviews of like Will Smith or Denzel Washington or whatever, Jim Carrey, you know, talking about weird existential shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, even though I appreciated those perspectives, I hate, like the workaholic kill yes. yourself type shit. Mm-hmm. No shade to uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You're amazing. Whatever you want to do with your life, amazing. But this motherfucker, I found his video where he was like telling some kids 
about this time where he was like in the ring and his, he he broke his ankle, but he was like, "Fuck it, I'm a, I'm on pay per view and I'm supposed." It was my only time I was supposed to fight Triple H or something. And he was he said in his mind he like convinced himself that he had to finish the match, even though he knew he like basically broke his ankle just now and he had oh eighteen more minutes. I was like, bro, why would you tell these kids that? Yeah. Like young black men. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro, that's that's toxic. Yeah, it is. Mm. Like, it know, is. I don't know what that is. Like, we can't, and I don't know what that is. Capitalism. Or- it's, I was about to say it's capitalism. <laughs> it's, it's the thought that you have to go the extra mile so that you can live better than most. It's that idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people celebrate it and I remember there was this um, <laughs> this uh, inspirational speaker who was like, one time uh, Beyonce was working so hard, she forgot to eat. And this was like, he was saying it like it was so amazing that Ooh. she forgot to eat. And at the time I thought, wow, I never did anything to where I forget to eat <laughs> sitting there chubby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I ain't never forgot to eat. Thinking Beyonce was so much better than me. And then, you know, you get grown and you're like, wow, that's really messed up. Somebody was doing something so much where they forgot to eat. I understand, though, I could be very passionate about something and I forget to eat. But I'm not going to tell people like it's healthy. Uh (laughs) That's a You can obsess over things, but, you know, and be passionate about things. But that tightrope, you need balance. You need balance. Uh And even if you have a couple days of obsession, you need to find the balance again eventually, you know? Oh, yeah, all day. I mean, like, you know, I mean, Kobe had the attitude, mamba mentality, and everyone thinks like they're Kobe after a while. But at the end of the day, like, Kobe's an athlete, and most of you guys are artists. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, we're more (laughs) fragile than an athlete, to be honest. Like, we're more fragile, like, and so therefore, like, we can get pushed in like three different ways and we'd be like, fuck it, we could collapse. You know what I mean? Where an athlete can get pushed like 10 different ways. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I believe in like taking the time and also finding the time to like be creatively inspired. Cause I feel like most people are like going grinding because of the social media effect of like, oh, I see your, oh, oh, there's a person at that show and that show. Is that how it is? I don't know if it's still like that, but I feel like people are motivated not by the pureness of just like the craft of getting their voice out there, but by the motivation of just like the accomplishments of others. Yeah. Yeah. So that's already taxing in itself. Like you're not even performing with the purity of just like being a performer, but you're performing because there is a level you're trying to match yeah. or to pass. Yeah. Like, so that's like, then take it easy. You know what I mean? Breathe. Like, just but like, see, that's uh, athletics shit. That's athletic yeah. shit. So, like, mm. if you think about it, a lot of people in the artist fields, like, they're taking after athletes and we're, we're competitive just like athletes and we're trying to get numbers up and we're trying to you know it's constantly like mm-hmm. it's the same shit really and so mm. I think that I think that you know what they don't tell you is the richest people the the white people we don't see ever <laughs> they are not working honey they are taking as many breaks as possible they are at home with their wives and kids. Their kids don't even have social media. These people live somewhere that you never even heard of. You didn't even know there was a house up there and that's where they live. It's 
it's mm. capitalism. And if you don't allow yourself to live your life, then you fell for it. Don't do it. Mm. Don't fall for it. Mm. Damn. Oof. Oof. You 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 don't go to church, but you're taking us right now. I don't know if you okay. mm. don't mm. know. Mm. know if you knew. Um, <laughs> is there what what do you think is kind of like the mark you you'd want to leave if, if everything went your way? But is like, is there something kind of the grand vision of Jill Chrissy that would be the mark you'd want to leave? I just want to leave this earth knowing that I put something that I put my heart and soul into. I left it on this earth. Um, mm -hmm. And there are certain artists who have done that for me. And, you know, and I love them so much. Like they mean a lot to me. And so the fact that they're gone now, it's almost like what they left here is yeah. so important and that's what I want to do is just leave leave on earth something that will inspire somebody just you know I want people to see it from years from now when people are robots I guess I want the robots <laughs> to be able to look at my work and be like wow she was human and look at that human <laughs> work process I don't know <laughs> but anyway well, thank hey. you guys this was <laughs> Thank you. Y'all know how we do High Power. You can follow us on uh, Instagram at High Power Pod. Keep up with us at highpowerpod.com. We'll see y'all next time. You know, follow, subscribe, rate five stars. See y'all later. Peace. Peace. This podcast is brought to you by Take Your Ass to Sleep, the all-new weight loss solution invented by grandmothers in the black community. Try Take Your Ass to Sleep for a six-week trial, and we'll even throw in our new thirst quencher, Swallow Your Spit, the best cure for my mom thirsty. <laughs>